You're listening to 66.6 WAOTKP AM Radio, Morning Madness in the Morning, with your morning DJ, Dr. Insane Mike, in the morning. Traffic is bumper to bumper, but there is so much you so much traffic right now, you might as well just call in sick and stay home and continue listening to the mighty sounds of 66.6 WAOTKP AM Radio. If your boss asks you why you're calling in sick, you tell him the good Dr. Insane told you so. With listening to Dr. Insane Mike, morning madness in the morning, you and you're about to hear an hour of non-stop of the best rockin' music. So turn up that volume, milk your eardrums with me Dr. Insane in the Morning with Morning Madness in the Morning. Brought to you by Meaty Chunks, your favorite meat in a can. Meaty Chunks, now in sour cream and onion flavor. Next up is a tune that's rocking the nation. It's been climbing the charts. You love it, I love it. It's time to get down and funky with Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome to the most complete radio experience. 66.6 WAOKTP AM radio, playing the best music on your radio dial. Welcome to the show. I am your morning madness in the morning DJ, Dr. Insane Mike. This episode is 268, and we are going to be bringing you back-to-back best of the best in horror movies featuring radio stations and DJs with this block of top 40 hits we call horror movies that killed the radio star. If this is your first time listening to our show, don't worry. I don't usually talk like this. We are normally a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together with a topic and talk about horror movies within that topic. We are all just friends here hanging out, so we speak openly and freely, so there may be spoilers. This next block of nonstop music is brought to you by jointheattackers.com. At jointheattackers.com, you can pick through various tiers and show your support for the show. When you donate, you become an attacker, which is a special fan of the show that gets you all kinds of amazing perks. You can get all kinds of stuff, such as bonus episodes of the show, early access to this regular show, videos such as video updates, killer critiques, and insane mics one minute top ten list. You can get membership cards, membership certificates, and even a sticker. There is so much content you can get by becoming an attacker, including shoutouts of shoutouts of you on the show, just like our newest attacker, the one, the only, Bill Fisher. Bill Fisher is a stand-up comedian and all-around awesome guy. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining the Attack of the Killer Podcast family. So we welcome Bill Fisher. As an attacker. Now he is now one of us. We'll make her one of us. A loving cop. A loving cop. We accept a one of us. We accept a one of us. Gooba gobble. Gooba gobble. We accept her. We accept her. Gooba gobble. Gooba gobble. One of us. One of us. Gooba gobble. They're going to make you one of the mighty cops. You too can get shoutouts on the show and all the other great stuff. It's by going to jointheattackers.com. That's right. You're listening to WAOTKP in the Morning Madness Morning Show. I am your your doctor for nonstop music, Dr. Insane Mike. And here is the rest of my morning zoo crew. 
His last DJ, DJ job was at a salad bar at the all-you-can-eat buffet. His catchphrase was, let us turn up the beat. It's Man Man Jason. What's, what's up, everybody? I Everyone knows I'm just the laughing guy here. So, hey, thanks for tuning in. His DJ name is Railroad Worker <laughs> because he is a master of laying tracks. Ted! <laughs> thanks for having me on today. Growing up, he didn't want to be a DJ. Now he's the best in the biz. Boy, how he turned tables. Andy! <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Glad to be here. Wow. Coming up next is a song that will melt your brain. It's been lightening up the phone lines ever since we premiered it right here on Morning Madness in the Morning. This song will kick off the next hour of uninterrupted music here at WAOTKP AM Radio. But first, a word from our sponsor. Shudder is a streaming service for any and all horror fans. From the occasional horror movie reviewer to the hardcore horror nut, there is something for everybody on Shudder. Sign up for Shudder today. If you are still not sure, we here at WAOTKP are giving listeners a month of Shudder for free. Just enter our promo code AOTKP and get your first month of the best in horror for free. Again, that promo code, if you write it down, if you're if you're driving, don't write it down. W AOTKP presents you a free promo code, AOTKP. And now with the weather, here's Tad with What We Watched. What we watched. Thanks so much, Mike. I'm not keeping up this energy. Um, (laughs) Andy, what have you watched? What I watched. <laughs> right. um, it's almost as bad as bro, bro. I mean, <laughs> I don't recommend keeping it up. I think I pulled something. <laughs> yeah, pull uh, my leg. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, where where do I start? Um, I watched two new movies, and I will just get this one out of the way. I watched Prey. Fuck I love yeah. this. I love this goddamn movie. Yeah. Me too. Um. It uh, let's start. Let's start off uh, with uh, it was it was very self aware of what's going on today in today's environment. It's very woke, whatever you should say. Uh, you know, it was it, it did it did it did it it did that without you know force feeding me a TED talk at the same time, which is really good. Um, it it cast ninety five. I think they said ninety five percent of the cast was indigenous which is the way it should be you shouldn't you know fucking red face johnny depp and put a bird on his head and make him talk like a fucking moron <laughs> um uh anyway uh that with that out of the way the the story was awesome the just the whole look of the movie was great the the landscapes the shots were just fucking it's a pretty horror movie it is it is fucking gorgeous um, the action in it is just totally awesome. It's, you know, it's, it's a predator movie. I mean, I will, you know, I will spoil my, have you guys seen it? Have, have you guys all seen it? Please I tell me you've not. seen it. Son oh, of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. You, you can talk about it. I'm not listening. Other, um, okay. Other I will give away one. I will give away one scene that just made me want to do a fucking backflip. I thought it was so good. She's getting chased by the the predator. Of course, she she can't see him. This um this Comanche warrior, 
and um the and all of a sudden a a, a bear a, a, attacks the predator and he goes toe to toe with a fucking grizzly bear in the middle of this you know in the middle of this river and uh of course you know green shit's flying red shit's flying and you know while she's hiding in this beaver dam which was like really really smart of her she's she's watching this go on because the predator was initially chasing her and it, eventually the you think the bear kicks this uh, the bear kicks the shit out of him at first of course you know the the blades come out and you know this predator's like fucking seven feet tall right and like the goddamn ultimate warrior man he fucking guts this thing and gorilla presses this son of a bitch over his fucking head <laughs> and the blood is just gushing out of it and it's just like it's it's you know since he's uh invisible at this time it's soaking him and it's you know it's unmasking his camouflage i'm like god damn it this shit gives me wood it makes me fucking moist i love this shit <laughs> and the 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 cool thing the one thing that i love about uh this predator movie i mean he's not like a punk he doesn't really snipe people cuz like in the first movie you see Jesse Ventura's chest just explode because you know the predator was in the tree this this predator is kind of a fucking nasty bastard he's a badass he he gets down there and mixes it up like hand to hand combat it's not like all cute little toys and shit really love that and i just love the reason why i love these predator movies or you know albeit terminator or a aliens i think they are the most cleverly disguised slasher movies of all time Sure. Because all they do is they, they work their way up the food chain just like a you know, just like a slasher movie would. I think they're I think they're brilliant. This is a shoe in for my top ten. I'm calling it right now. Absolutely love this movie. Anybody who's saying, you know, that it's you know, that they were pissed off that it was a woman is probably living in their fucking mom's basement and their mom is a saint for even housing your fucking ass because you're a fucking chauvinistic prick. Um, and he, she's probably making you a grilled cheese right now. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, I like um, cheese. Mm. <laughs> but yes, watch Prey. I fucking love this movie. I can't say enough good things about it. Absolutely loved it. It had it ties in uh, to Predator Two, and I will not give that away. But uh, it it ties into the series very very nicely, which and it's just so well done. It's got can't all wait to the things. That you yeah. want in a predator. Movie. Absolutely, absolutely. I cannot wait to uh, buy this damn thing on 4K and put it on the shelf and proudly display it because great movie. Uh, also watched the Black Phone. Loved yeah. it. Hell really, yeah. really liked it. Very, very creative. Uh, of course, you know my eyes were you know really keen to make sure that everything was time oriented. Not because I'm such a stickler for that, is because I really love that kind of thing. And all all the kids in it were awesome, you know, especially, you know, Robin with his Cheech and Chong shirt and I was saying, had, his little sister's awesome. Oh, the sister the sister's oh, great, you know. So she good. you know, all for the all except for the fact that she said she wanted to marry Danny Bonaducci, which in turn and then she gets kicked in the face by a Danny Danny Bonaducci lookalike when she's <laughs> trying to defend her brother. <laughs> that aside um, you've got this van. I mean, all the some of the kids were badasses that were, you know, yeah. uh, that Taken. you know fell victim to this. Uh, what do they call him? The, the grabber, yeah. 
you know, yeah, like this, uh, the Vance Harper playing, you know, in the Canadian tuxedo with no sleeves, you know, kind of like the the fucking uh, Roger Daltrey, you know, outfit from the Who. <laughs> Uh, just all, all, all the things that he incorporates, you know, down in this basement, you know, it's just like, he has to survive in his environment. And I love that, you know, it's just like, he, he's making something out of nothing, but he's, he's also getting help, you know, from the visions of these past, uh, victims. And I just think it's so creative, but I mean, you know, Joe Hill, man, I mean, he, that's, that's just good pedigree, you know, from his yeah. dad, I guess. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's very creative, but yet it's also a very, very simplistic story. You know, it's almost like, uh, a supernatural form of misery in a sense. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, uh, did that, this might end up in the top 10 too. I mean, there better be some pretty kick-ass movies to knock these two, you know, you know, as high as I've got them ranked. Um, also been watching, you know, what we do in the shadows, of course, um, totally hilarious, uh, watched, uh, only murders in the building, not really horror per se, but you know, murder mystery, whatnot. Also, you know, still a very good show. Um, some, you know, usually when I go to, uh, Denver, um, I make it a, we make it a point to go to second and Charles, which is kind of like half price books on steroids. Cause it's pretty big. And n- normally I try to, uh, you know, I find, you know, pretty good stuff there in the Blu-rays. Like I bought battle Royale and battle Royale too, and stuff like that. But uh, I also like to go to the shit aisle. That's like for like $3 and see what kind of crap I can find. And I bought uh, Madhouse for three dollars. Have you guys heard of this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Josh Leonard, Jordan Ladd, Lance Henriksen. Yep. Yeah, um, I've never seen it, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's got you know, it's got good people in it, but I mean, I think it could have be better. I mean, it's just got. It's like one of those swerve stories that take place uh, in. Uh, of course, a, a sanitarium. Uh, you know, it's got Mark Holton in it, the guy who stole Pee Wee's bike, and his 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 character's name's Puddles, and because he's always pissing himself. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. That's his name. They call him Puddles because he's you know this this really heavy set guy that's you know he keeps you know pissing his pajamas. Um, I won't talk much about it. I mean, it's it's okay, I guess. I mean, I got, I've got a lot more crap movies to go, but I really wanted to get prey and, uh, black phone out of the way. But I did watch, uh, dreams in the witch house, which is the Stuart Gordon from masters of horror. I had never seen that really enjoyed that. And of course it's, you know, knowing Stuart Gordon, he's adapting a Lovecraft, uh, story. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, with, uh, (laughs) just seeing a rat with a human face was interesting. Um, have have you guys seen this episode before? Yep. Oh yeah. Tad has okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just yeah. I'm playing catch up big time with with this series, but uh, I just want to get like the really famous directors. I don't want to go too far into like the second season where they just became total garbage. Um, and I watched the other one that I watched, uh, Masters of Horror that, you know, that I've had on my shelf for a long time is, uh, Dear Woman with, uh, John Landis, which is, uh, basically, uh, American Werewolf Light, as far as I can tell. Um, written by his, his son, Max. 
Oh, was it? I'm, I'm pretty sure if I remember right. Directed by, yeah, written by, yeah, Max Landis and John Landis, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was cool to see Brian Ben-Ben in it. Um, of course, you know him, you might know him from I Come in Peace and the show uh, Dream On. Uh, but, yeah, not, not bad. I'm glad to have it on my shelf. I just want to kind of complete the series. But, anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that is what I watched. Excellent. How about you, Mike? What have you watched? Not much. I've been spending most of my time practicing my DJ voice. So it shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon and I did go to the movie theater and watched uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Yay. That was so much fun. That was awesome. It's like the first uh, Marvel movie I haven't seen in theaters. It's the first one I it's that I've seen in a little while because we totally missed Eternals and uh, Shang Chi. I think those are the only two we've. Yeah, I didn't see those either. We've missed. Um, over the past couple phases, anyway. Uh, so and, funny. And so, yeah, so, so funny, so funny. Um, maybe too much in that field, but it was still a lot That's of fun. That's what I was going to say, is that the general consensus seems that people are like, it's not even a superhero movie anymore, it's just like a straight comedy, which I'm like, I like laughing, so I don't know. I still right. haven't seen it, yeah. and I'm like, but, oh, you know, I, 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 I mean... I mean, because it still feels like those stakes are are pretty real with Christian Bale. I thought he was was pretty menacing in it, and that was cool. I mean, mean, there was just the comic book geek in me, you know, just takes issues with them, like, you know, poking too much fun at, at like, Zeus and and some of that stuff. And, you know, but it's it's still cool because it, it's definitely leaning into another character that's going to be entering the MCU, so I'm excited about that. And so since uh, Simon and I saw that, we've been really... It's our mission to try to get caught up on things that we've been behind on. Um, so we finally got... We uh, marathoned uh, Hawkeye, finally watched that, Yay. which was great. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So So happy to see... If those who haven't seen it yet, I won't spoil it, but the main villain in it... And how oh, yeah. it's connected to something else. Um, and again, trying not to be spoilery, but uh, Simon is really bummed out. He's practically pissed that uh, <coughs> he never did see a certain set of uh, Marvel TV shows that were on another streaming service. That is now one of them. The best of, of, of them is connected now to the MCU for sure, definitely, as a character shows up in Hawkeye. But... Uh, so yeah, I'm like, we need to watch those, but you can't because it's gone. They're All going. Of those to, are gone. They're, they're going to be on Disney Plus soon. I think they're. Yeah, on, yeah I, I thought they were supposed Disney. to come over to Disney Plus, but and we keep checking, and it's like, when is that going to happen? Come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, um, and then so like, just feel like there hasn't been a whole lot of time, you know, especially at night, close close to bedtime, whatnot, to sit down and get into anything else. So, so. So Brandy and I have been um, watching uh, some uh, Adult Swim stuff, and we've been on a major <laughs> John movies. C. Uh, what? Sorry, I said Adult Movies. Sorry. And we've been on a major John C. Riley kick lately, so we've been watching Check It Out with Dr. Uh, Steve. Oh Brule. man! Oh my God, it's so funny. Five uh, of Broats. <laughs> yes. He adds R's to everything. It's so R's fucking to funny. Everything. And you know, we call we go around the house all day long, calling each other dingus and stuff like that. It's so. It's it's really sweet berry wine. 
it's really seeped into our uh, our um, vernacular. Yeah, we've probably spent a good six years doing nothing but Steve Brule quotes at each other, like me and my friend John. I mean, he still <laughs> quotes it all the time, but uh, and you're like, got to grow the, up. <laughs> no, not growing up, but it's just like at a certain point, it's like. <laughs> Is this funny anymore? Or are we just like, are we just Steve Brule now? It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, I mean, he that that character originated on Tim and Eric. Awesome show, great job. Mm-hmm. And uh, John C. Riley just took that character so far oh. that they made his own show off of it. And we're, we've been lucky enough to see Tim and Eric live a couple times, and they nice. had uh, you know John C. Riley with them one oh, time nice. in Chicago, and because that's, cool. uh, that's where he's from, and. That was awesome, and yeah, yeah, so funny. I never seen, I've never seen it all the way through, and I love, 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 love how they ended it. Oh my god! Like, what was it five seasons? But the fifth season is one episode, and <laughs> no spoilers, but it's definitely different than the rest of the rest of the show. Such, <laughs> such a horrible way to end the show it's awesome anyway that's all i had a chance to watch all right that leaves you jason what have you watched all right i've seen a few things i too had watched prey and loved it i've always been on i love the native american stuff in movies and in life and and so it's just great it's just great did i see that there's like a version that's in all in the Indian language? It, there's a Comanche yeah, dub, which is a fucking yeah. issue because from what I'm reading, I haven't watched it. Um, we watched a clip of it to see if it was actually like if they filmed it in Comanche also because right. they use the same actors speaking in, in Comanche for the dub, right? But for some stupid reason, Hulu went and took that dub and translated it back to English, and it loses all the metaphors that are, like, in the screenplay. Like, you have the screenplay, just type it on the... I don't get why they're translating back to English when they record when they filmed it in English. You know what I mean? It's really weird. Like, the, the subtitles are off from what's actually... Oh, I see. The translation back to English is off. So, like, when she says something, the main character will say something that's a metaphor, the subtitles will say a literal translation, translation, and it misses the whole metaphor. It's like, how did you fuck this up? And (laughs) I just, it's, my only nitpick with the movie is that, like, why couldn't we get the, why didn't they, I mean, I, I guess I know why, because it's Hulu and Disney, and we're in America, and Americans want American speak, but, like, why not film it in Comanche and do either an English overdub or an, an English subs available for those who want it, you know? Yeah. Right. If you cared that much to do that much, then why not just I do it? I, and I guess the director wanted to, and of course Hulu and sure. Disney was like, eh, Americans won't like that. And the whole reason they, they took it straight to Hulu instead of doing a, a limited theatrical run, it was because of the HBO merger, because of the something with the rights. If they would have done a theatrical release, it would have hit streaming on HBO Max at the same time, and they didn't want to lose out on that, so they just went straight to Hulu because Disney owns Hulu also. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But I would have loved to seen this on... A, oh, I, I saw oh, it on Blake's projector, yeah. um, which is about as close... You know, I, I guess I do have <laughs> keys to a theater, but, um, you know, it's... 
seeing it on the biggest screen I could find, and it was worth it. Anyways, we're talking about what you watched. And I also <laughs> watched uh, They, Them. They slash them. They slash them. That's the say that. That's the point of the title. Get it? Slash. They slash them. And so I'll let Ted talk more about this one. It was all right. It was it was cool. I mean, anytime Kevin Bacon's in a horror movie, you gotta like it. And he's back at a camp. Yeah, Yeah. at a camp. (laughs) Yeah, arrows to the neck. You have to watch and see. And then, uh, in the spirit of. of just how much I I miss first time podcast. I made myself watch something that I'd never seen before and always wanted to and it doesn't hurt that I heard William Daniels on the new Boy Meets Pod Meets World podcast. Um but I who was Mr. Feeney and uh he was in a movie called The Graduate by mm. Mike Nichols. I've oh, never wow. seen it. I own it. Have not Dustin seen it. Hoffman. Yeah, classic. Goddamn, it's fucking good. And I'll, I'll tell you right now. And Bancroft, I still. I mean, I know. I think she passed away now, but goddamn. Mel Brooks's this, wife. In this movie, she's so freaking hot. I, like this movie. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I I picked up like the cool like uh, VHS style Blu-ray of this mm-hmm. at Farm King for like four dollars. So it's on my <laughs> list to watch. Yeah, dude, it's it's fantastic. It's everything. It's about a good. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's really great. And then I watched a few things on um, Apple TV. I just I find myself at. It's time to watch something. I I'm back into the fucking spend two hours flipping around. I can't find a fucking thing because I want to watch a movie and I just can't pick anything and so anyway it's too many options that's the problem and so when i get into a series i'm like well at least that's taken out of my the choice is taken out of my hands at least for a week or so (laughs) you know as i work through it so i just say fuck it and push play on some series hey on apple tv i watched this awesome one called blackbird um it's inspired by actual events as jimmy keen yep Sorry, Ray Liotta's last thing. Yeah, who's he's really good in it too. But um, Jimmy Keen plays a ten-year prison, uh, begins a ten-year prison sentence, and he gets an incredible offer if he can elicit a confession from suspected killer Larry Hall. Jimmy will be freed. Completing this mission becomes the challenge of a lifetime. It's got Greg Kinnear in it as one of the prosecutor guys. He's great. Uh, the main dude is uh, Taron Edgerton. And um, but the the guy who plays uh, Walter, the suspected serial killer, is Paul Walter Hauser, who was Richard oh. Jewell in the Richard Jewell movie, Stingray in in Cobra Kai. And this is fucking. I know he can't get an Oscar for a series, but god damn it, he's so fucking good at this show as a out of his goddamn mind serial killer maybe or is he i don't know is he and he talks in this kind of falsetto voice oh my god it's so gosh dang good and this is called blackbird blackbird wow yeah it's on apple TV. i really like that guy oh too, as me an too he's so good and he's and this just this whole show is about him and and this guy who's like 
and so yeah, the 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 serial killer he is in this really bad prison. So this guy who wants to get out, you know, has to move to this shitty prison and trying to get this guy to confess while trying not to die so that he can get out of his sentence. Oh, it's just just madness, madness. But fan freaking tastic. And then the other thing I started, it hasn't, uh, it's still in the middle of it. It's releasing weekly, which is pretty cool. It's called Five Days at Memorial. And it, because, you know, I need some really uplifting things to watch um, to stay positive. This one is based on actual events from Hurricane Katrina. When the floodwaters rose, power <laughs> failed, and heat soared, <laughs> exhausted caregivers. <laughs> And this New Orleans hospital were fo- forced to make profound, heart-wrenching decisions. So it's like the movie Alive, but in a hospital. I don't think they eat each other, but uh, they're stuck in a hospital for five days while it's flooded and shit's gone to shit. And um, oh man, it's but it stars uh, Vera Farmiga, who I love. Mm, I have a crush on her. Oh, big time. Dude. She's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Bates. I know, Miss Bates. Yep. I know. God, that show is so good. But anyway, so is so is this one. It's really good. It's it's um, pretty cinematic in those shots where they. I mean, they kind of. It feels real real time ish. You know, like day one is the first episode. Day two, it's kind of like that episodic. So only three days out now. The fourth one comes out Friday, I think. But it's just intense. So it has that real time feel, and like we all know, it's bad. But how bad is it? And the choices that these doctors have to make is just, oh, man, it's awesome. Anyway, so, hey, that's what I've I watched, fun stuff. Hey, uh, Tad, what have you been watching? I watched a whole shit ton, you guys. Like what? I don't know. I, well, I'm looking at my, <laughs> you know, uh, letterbox and looking at what I've watched. And I feel like I've all I've done is watch things. So I made it to the theater twice i think i saw bullet train yeah with uh brad pitt and fucking 400 other a-list celebrities that they don't even put in the trailer or the poster all all sort of uh cameos um that was okay i mean i'm never gonna see it again but it was a i guess a fine way to sit in air conditioning for a few hours (laughs) uh i don't know i i was expecting at least like just sort of a fun action movie and it's fast paced but it's very stylized very much like uh the kingsman type movies but not with the violence so I was sort of like let down with that um but it was fine uh pray watched it loved it i don't really have much else to say about that one uh they slash them i felt it was i mean kevin bacon kills it i love the story of yeah. it's is a conversion camp where these kids are sent by their like shitty parents to go and yeah. they're either gay or trans or bi or non-binary, you know, LGBTQ plus um, people. And he plays it off right at the beginning. I'm a cool guy and I'm not here to change your mind. And if you leave here and you're still gay, that's fine with me. But we slowly start learning the secrets. Um, about halfway through, I realized that one of the characters was the fucking girl from my girl you know, in the nineties with Macaulay Culkin and Dan Aykroyd. Hmm. Uh, that blew my mind. I'm like, I don't think I've seen her since the nineties. And I looked her up. I'm like, Oh, she's in all kinds of stuff. I just didn't recognize her. Anyways, it was, it felt like a really good 
sort of drama movie with a very small horror element tacked on towards the end. Yeah. I wish it had more horror involved. It was sort of described as like a more of a slasher and all the kills are off screen and they're just not very good. But the, the heart of the story is really nice. It's just, uh, I, I, not a great one for me. Um, what do you think, Jason? About yeah, the same? same thing. Uh, it, uh, at the end of the day, I was like, "Dang it! It could have probably been better." And I wanted uh, a little more horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm all for the good stuff, a million percent. But you know, the story in the heart. But yeah, it could have just could have been better. The uh, the winner of my uh, theatrical or new movies I've watched uh, went to film scene and saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on finally. Um, A24's new film based on the short film with Jenny Slate playing Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which is literally a shell named Marcel that wears shoes. And it's the cutest fucking thing <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Um, the most heartwarming, like motivational, uplifting story to uh, ever exist. It's so cool. So basically... Hmm. It, Chiodo Brothers did all the puppetry Ooh. and uh, stop oh, motion. Oh wow! Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw a little documentary about about it. I didn't even know it was like a series of shorts before. So this came out. the story is pretty simple. This guy checks into an Airbnb and he discovers Marcel, which is literally like uh, like a little tiny seashell. It has one googly eye and a little pair of shoes, and it talks in a little voice that jenny slate does and uh he's so fucking adorable but we learn this this guy's like i'm gonna do documentary on this this is crazy so he starts filming marcel like how do you exist in this world and we learn like marcel uses a tennis ball like gets in an empty tennis ball and rolls around that's how marcel travels uh marcel steps on like honey and uses it to stick to the wall to climb up walls uh, Marcel sets up little things, little contraptions to get food. Marcel lives on, you know, like peas and carrots and little things. It's, it's just amazing. And, and of course it sort of puts a mirror to the audience and it's like, this guy's like, this is amazing. Puts, he, he makes this documentary, starts putting videos online because Marcel has lost his family. So his family is a bunch of different shells. There's grandma. The grandma's the only one that's that's still with Marcel. And this isn't really a spoiler. This is just a premise. Um, so the story is that Marcel is looking for his family that went missing because um, these shells hide in our everyday lives somewhere, these little things, um, in our sock drawers, in our cups. They hide away from us. And um, in a major event... Marcel's family went missing, so Marcel uses his new internet fame to try to find his family and quickly realizes that the outside world is not as nice as the little community of shells that he grew up with um, and that people are very self-centered and would rather come take selfies in front of Marcel's house than actually help him find his family. And uh, it's, it's at times very heartbreaking, but also um, just really, really cute and I, I cannot recommend it enough the stop motion is so fucking good it's better get nominated for an oscar for animated uh -huh. i i know the chiotos were talking about how like they're going to submit it and there's a debate on what's because it's like 90 percent. even the scenes with humans i mean it does have live action but like the percentage is like even when there is humans they're still 
Marcel and Marcel's completely stop motion. So it's like every scene is animated. So I don't know mm. what they're going to do, but I really fucking hope that this has to win. It's so good guys. Um, I, I almost cried in the theater. I stopped myself, but it was just fantastic. I can't wait to, uh, wait for it to hit streaming or to, uh, hit 4k. Cause I got to buy this bad boy. It's so good. Okay, um, enough of that one. I watched a lot of series. I finally finished The Offer. I sort of dragged my feet on that, but that's about the making of The Godfather. Finally finished it. I thought it was like a three-part miniseries. It turned out it was like eight or nine, so that was a long one. But fantastic stuff. That's on Paramount+. Plus. If you like watching stuff about the making of movies, (coughs) check out The Offer. I actually prefer it to watching The Godfather, so uh, yeah. Um, the most epic television show on TV right now finally, you know, came to a close in Better Call Saul, and uh, they landed another perfect ending. I cannot state that enough that they landed a perfect ending with Breaking Bad, one of the best shows yeah. of all time, and to come out with a, a prequel spinoff about a lawyer seemed like a really, really bad idea, like you're never going to top it, and... I think they topped it. Don't say that because I stopped after Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. I I prefer Saul, and I think it's better. And um, they stuck the to, they yep. s- they stuck the landing even maybe even better. They did not give us the ending that everybody wanted. They gave us the ending that we needed. Uh, so no spoilers, but holy shit! Like, and you think, well, it ends with Breaking Bad, right? Because it's a prequel, but right? No, not at all. Then they do this great thing where they flash. Ahead of Breaking Bad, then back to Saul, back and forth, so that break Breaking Bad is in the middle. It's so smart, and the writing is fantastic, and Bob Odenkirk is the fucking man. Oh, uh, the man. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this show nearly killed him. He had a heart attack while filming this last oh. season, and they had to take a break, and they were out in the middle of the desert, and he nearly died because they didn't have a hospital anywhere nearby. Oh, um, so, thank Damn. God he lived, but... Uh, yeah, that show, so good, so good. I loved it. Um, I watched two new Netflix things. I watched the miniseries documentary Trainwreck Woodstock 99. Has anyone seen this yet? <laughs> nope, I remember it's it vividly. On though. my to-do list, yeah. Holy shit, man. Like, that's pretty fantastic. Um, 99, I mean, what what a time to be alive. What a look, a look back at this is like, God, what... A horrible time for music and for everything i went to 94 Uh, and we almost went to 99 thank god i didn't yeah so this documentary yeah i think it shows it shows a very it's an obvious stark contrast between wood the woodstock of 69 the peace and love to 1999 you know 1999 speaks for itself yes it is like the polar opposite if 69 was about peace and love this is about bros rape violence breaking shit toxic masculinity idiots uh mm-hmm. yeah it yep. will sort of make you hate people but um it's it's a crazy look back at uh, how a lot of money was poured into something that was so poorly organized uh it's amazing that well people did die but it's amazing that more people didn't die um and then the final thing i have on my list was a new true crime documentary series called I Just Killed My Dad. Did anybody else watch this yet? Uh-uh. I don't know. It's on Netflix. It sort of buries the lead with the, the uh, title. But 
Um, <laughs> no way. I won't spoil anything because it's it's pretty fascinating. But basically, one day dispatcher gets a call and it's like the seventeen year old kid and he's like, you know, she's like, what's what can I, you know, what's the emergency? And he's like, I just killed my dad. She's and he's like very calm about it. Like I just killed my dad. It's like okay. And the dispatcher doesn't even say. She goes, "Is he dead?" He goes, "Yeah, I killed him." Like, you know, I called and said I killed my dad, and then you ask, "Is he dead?" Well, <laughs> yeah, I killed him. It's like, well, what, what, what happened? Oh. Oh, I shot him in the head. It's like, okay, where are you? Tells tells her the address. He's like, I'm out front. I'm wearing basketball shorts and like a white t-shirt. And this kid is so removed from reality. Like when the police arrive and they cuff him, he's like, "Why? Why? Why, are you, why would you be?" cuffing me like i called the police and told you i killed him and they're like yeah but you killed your dad and and it sort of starts examining like what led to this and why is this kid so like why is he so calm and why did he call the boy why yeah and it's but the 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 sort of i'm trying to think of how much i should spoil or on this i'll leave it at that he but sounds like a, a complete space cadet, you know. It's like he doesn't well, realize what he's done. There's a very there's several very good reasons behind why there's actual reasons. They start oh, going Oh yes, okay. they they start going All down right. the rabbit hole and realize that this kid is not um has not had a normal upbringing. He is not what you might think he is. This, um this Pops might have had it coming. No, nah, it's not even that simple. Wow. Um <laughs> I'll say one little thing, okay? That's that's in the first episode. That sort of leaves a cliffhanger um, towards the first first part of the episode. There's someone who's looking into this, like out from the outside, like not a police officer. It's all over the news, you know. This 17 year old kid killed his father, and you know what could have led to this, whatever. And this woman is like, you know, I, I just this outsider. She, her husband, I think, hired this kid and worked with him, and it's like he was quiet and calm. Like, why would he kill? So she starts doing some research on her own and realizes, holy shit, this kid is, like, on missing persons flyers. Like, oh, this oh this kid's boy. been missing for 11 years. And, and somehow he's been arrested for murder, and it didn't pop up, and no one's no one's came forward. Mike's like, I'm going to go watch it yeah, today. Yeah, yeah it's like... It, show up. Yeah, it's like, holy sh! What? Like they they show like the missing at the end of the first episode. It's like, and here's his missing kid photo from eleven years ago. It's like, how did how did this get make it to the news and no one was like, oh, we found this kid that's been missing. Like, no, it was all the focus was on like he shot his dad. It's like, okay, <laughs> so then it goes down the rabbit hole of like, where? How did this kid end up here? What led to him being so mentally? Not even unstable, just mentally like stunted. Like that's yeah. like a hairpin turn at about a hundred miles an hour. Right <laughs> yeah, there, <man>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like holy shit. And so yeah, it's it's only three episodes and they're each like an hour, so it's a really quick watch. But it's it's really fascinating. Um, and they interview the kid, which is really cool, and you know all the family members. And I highly recommend it. You know, I I I don't do a whole lot of true crime stuff, but this popped up and one of my I dig that. Yeah, one of my friends was like, you got to check this out. So I checked it out, and I knew it was a short watch. So um, recommend that on Netflix, too. So that's what I watched finally after an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, welcome back to WAO TKP AM Radio. You're listening to Dr. Insane Morning Madness in the Morning, 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 bringing you nonstop the best in music. Now, before we begin our two hour nonstop block of pulse pounding rock, it's time to rock the vote. Remember that dated reference? I sure do. Here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, let's take a quick look back at the pole position from episode 266. The question, what are the worst ways to die on a road? Remember your answers? Fine, I'll tell you. Insane <laughs> Mike says... I wasn't there. You weren't. Train decapitation. Two, those were two things. Train, comma, decapitation. <laughs> Jason said, fire or car bomb. Andy says, drown or avalanche. And Mike Reeb, the Reebster, was there, and he said, body deglove. Oh, yeah. And, oh, that's right. And <laughs> log. So, all right. So, uh, last place, 13% of the votes in St. Mike. Saw that coming. That was easy a, with those terrible answers. What the? Those were great <laughs> answers. Um, I'll give it up if, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't dwell on it if Reebster gets the number one spot because of just the body, of the description of the body glove. Well, Jason and Andy tied for 25%, and that's why Reapster won for yeah! 38%. Wow. Freaking body to glove on there. Body of course glove. he did. As soon as he said it, I'm like, isn't that like surfer <laughs> wear? Like body glove? Isn't I that like what know. surfers wear? Salt life, bro. Well, know. all right, let's uh, jump into today's poll position. The question are what are the best horror themed songs? Not scores, not themes. But horror-themed songs, songs you'll hear on the radio. And uh, we'll do our normal snake draft two rounds. Uh, Mike's one, I'm two. Uh, Tad's three, Andy's four. Let's go to the random sequence generator. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. Oh, man. We got Tad's first. We got, oh, Jason the second. That's good. We got Andy third. Oh, man. And insane Mike Four. So Ted, you're up at the 101. Oh God, that's high pressure. I know, right? Because oh, there's, there's so I many. I mean, I gotta take the one that I know you all want just out of spite. God dang it! Out of spite. I mean, Dream Warriors by Dawkins. Ooh. Ha! Oh damn! Wasn't even on my list. Yeah. Okay. God, okay. I can't believe. Yeah. I know. That's, I that's so good. Yeah, it's a great one. <sighs> So I, oh man, this is so hard because I know like the absolute first one that came to my mind. I don't think that's maybe as big a vote getter as this one that I'm thinking I should probably pick. But I don't know if that other one's going to get back to me. Dang it, this sucks. <laughs> oh man, heart or votes? Let's go. Oh man. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, that was on my list. That yeah. is a great one. That's uh, how to do it. Had you mean Vincent it. Price's Thriller featuring Michael Jackson? Goddamn right. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't <laughs> heard that song in a while, it is so good. Mm 
Uh-huh. Still me, so good. I very few. You know, I remember like getting in my old Bonneville ninety-one Bonneville that did not have a CD player or a cassette player, and like the local radio station October, like a cold chill in the night, like yes. the, like Halloween lights on around the neighborhood, uh. and that song would come on the radio at that beginning. You know, like the uh, yeah, it's so perfect. It's so like yeah, perfect. it is. It is. Yep, that's, All a, right. that's a good one. That's a, that's like an anthem for horror. Right there. Well, try and beat that, Andy. You're up great, next. Great video, too. The, maybe oh, the yes. best music video of all time. Uh, Very agreed. possible. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I gotta, this is more of like a, like a pop song, but I got to go with my heart here because I think he's one of the most underappreciated, you know, singer-songwriters of all time. That's, uh, Ow, Werewolves <laughs> of London, nice. Warren Zevon. Awesome. Good pick. That was a good pick. Warren, I'm writing this down. Okay. All right. Insane Mike, you're on the turn with the fourth and fifth pick, you lucky duck. Crap. You still got 47 things on your list there to choose from. I do, and I'm trying to... None of them really got narrowed down, did they? (laughs) No. I'm trying (laughs) to go for the votes, because I have a lot more. Because you probably should, finally, after a year of doing this show, try and pick something that people will vote for. Well, because my favorites are going to be way more obscure. That's Um, true. That's true. He's a horror hipster. Yeah, right. (laughs) You should pick those now. I would pick them, but you've never heard of them. That's right. (laughs) Oh, he's sweet till honorable mentions. Does Um, Weird Al have any horror songs? He does. Of course he does. Uh, but I'm not going to go with that. I am <laughs> um, going to go with, oh, probably the godfather of horror-related Halloween-themed uh-huh. songs, and that's Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett. I knew you would do that. Yeah. You should look up the truly awful Beach Boys cover where Mike Love is, like, creepy as fuck. Yeah. That, oh, yeah? On YouTube. Yeah, he makes, like, the... I mean, he's already an ugly motherfucker, but when he makes, like, these creepy... tries to make creepy monster faces, it's awful. <clears throat> That's the thing. I, I should do the research, but I would bet Monster Mash has been covered more than any other song in it's the It's got to be up there. Yeah. History yeah. music. I mean, I, I can... Bobby Pickett and the Crypt Kickers? <laughs> I can name at least five I think that's different. Who sang it, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can name at least five to ten other off the top of my head of people who've covered that song. Anyway, so my next pick. Um, uh, we're gonna go with uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters by Ray oh, Parker Jr. Definitely high on the list. Dang it! All boats. right, get them boats, Andy. You are back up with pick number six. Uh, Monster Hash. It was my graveyard stash. No. um, Oh, you are so funny. (laughs) I haven't heard all that song before, but. That's uh, a song? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they they recorded it. (sighs) Yeah, Monster Mash has probably also been probably the most parodied song ever, too. Oh man, I've got I've got so much I've got so many of the honorable mentions <laughs> here. Um, it's ridiculous. But I gotta go. I'm I'm gonna go since uh, Insane Mike went with a classic. I'm gonna go with one too. I'm gonna yes. go. I put a spell on you yeah. uh, by Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yes, definitely I, on the list. I like the Manson version too. Oh yeah, that's another song that's been covered to death. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm so happy because the pick of my heart made it back to me. I'm so, so happy. The absolute first song of all time, every single time a Halloween mix is made. I have this is the first song, 100% every time, A Nightmare on My Street by yeah. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Fuck yeah. God damn, yeah. I love that song. It's so good. <laughs> I, I've listened to it 1,000 times when I was a kid. Yeah. And that came out, it was, it was surreal. It like, wasn't even like, is this real? Did this really come out? And I'm so stoked to videos out there now. Yes. Oh, after, really? Like, yeah, after wow. like, what, 30 years of not being, it played once on MTV before they got sued yeah. by New Line. And I think someone leaked a really like shitty quality that was recorded on a tape that first airing. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, I think, I don't know, Jazzy Jeff or somebody who had the original said like, fuck it, enough time's gone by, they're not coming at us. And they just put it out. Nice. All right, Ted, finish this up with pick eight, last oh. pick. Again, I don't know if I should go for... Uh, oh. For the votes or for We're my rocking with Dawkins to start here, so right. I'm I'm yeah. going for votes, and I, I do think this is a good one. But I still believe <laughs> by Tim Capello, <laughs> <laughs> sexy sax man. You know the muscles. He's still he's still touring on that one song. Um, you know it's not it's probably not the one I listen to most around Halloween horror time, and it's not even tech. I mean, I guess it was written for Lost Boys, so. It's still about believing. I don't know. It's more of a motivational song, but um, God damn, you know, how, how many characters have one small scene in a movie and are probably more well-known <laughs> than some of the leads, you know? <laughs> yeah. He, so, you know, that's, that's, I mean, Cry Little Sister from that movie could have worked too. That's yeah, a exactly. fucking great one, but that one always sticks out. I still believe, you know, Tim Capello is just like a, something in, in, in energetic you know magnet just something about him man yeah so since we need to make this next part quick the honorable mentions <laughs> how are we going to do that um go everybody just don't, don't even talk about them just list them like everybody gets like five maybe or something i don't know okay i got about four well the absolute okay. next one on my list is pet cemetery by the ramones yep, it's on my list oh nice 100 percent who made who? ACDC. Oh, okay. That's uh, a good one. I, I think of that one. That's horrible, not horror. Come on now. Maximum of driver rules. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to take away, but feed my Frankenstein the coop. Nice. I think I've of got, that as a horror. Song. You could have the whole damn album. I was going to say, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of his catalog. Yeah. Man behind the mask. Come that, on. Yeah. that was feed on my, my list. That. Frankenstein hurt, hurt me very much not to uh, make that one of my picks as Man Behind the Mask. Teenage yeah. Frankenstein. <laughs> so you guys. Um, I also had Fright Night by Jay Giles. Yeah, band. hell yeah, would have been mm. easily a pick. Um, so again, this going and so then going good. old school like Monster Mash. I went Dinner with Drac by Zacherly, which. Uh, Another one that breaks my heart not to mention, since Zachary is the main man horror host. Um, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Lots of Oingo Boingo on the list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's another band that, yeah, could take up. And uh, one other, and then I'll kick it over to somebody else, of somebody else whose whole catalog could have been a list of of itself. But I picked Dragula by Rob Zombie. Yeah, sure, sure. 
I'll go because I'm like, you know, foaming at the mouth here. The next one I was going to pick was the Misfits Halloween. I fucking blare nice. that in my car in October. Um, I love that one. Misfits. Yeah. I, I mean, I of course, cool their whole catalog name. too, but I was just <laughs> Halloween yep. to me is just, yeah, classic. Um, Killer Clowns from the Dickies. Oh, I forgot yes! that one. What the heck? Fantastic. Dude, how did I forget Killer Clowns? When we found that song. Oh. oh yeah, and going to Horror Nights where they looped it with the uh, you know the clown march uh, in the scare zone, blasting it, you hearing it five straight nights with the oh. clowns walking around. It's just like oh, this is the fu- awesome. fucking coolest thing. Uh, Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. Yep, yep. yep. that and, was that was on mine. And then um, I think my last mention is uh, Children of the Grave, Black Sabbath. Nice. Ooh, I mean, lots of Black Sabbath Black could be Sabbath, on the list, Black but that's Sabbath. the one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, uh, like, Andy. Well, yeah, like Ted said, I had I had Psycho Killer on mine. Um, if you want blood by ACDC, I mean, all he's talking yeah. about is blood. <laughs> um, Are you ready for Freddy by, by the Fat Boys? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, this is ready. this one's a little obscure, but you got to know what this song is about. It's a pop song, and it was very very popular. But it's about a fucking stalker. Every breath you take by the police. That song is creepy yeah. as shit oh, yeah. when you realize what it's about. Yeah. I got Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I had that I one. I love that song. Mainly Dang. Michael Jackson, by the way. Um, Every day is Halloween by Ministry. It's a Ooh, good song. That's a good one. And the Cramps. What's behind the mask? It's a good song. Cramps is another band that can. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's most. That People are strange. The doors. Oh yeah. Do you want a party by Forty Five Grave? Yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, that whole Return Limited soundtrack. Yeah. Is right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 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 the rest of mine. Go, I, go, well, Mike. Go. Welcome to my nightmare yes. by Alice Cooper. Uh, Time Warp from the Rocky Horror yes. Picture Show. Surfing Dead by the Cramps. That was my Cramps uh-huh. uh, pick. Uh, this is Halloween from Nightmare Before Christmas. And Marilyn Manson's version is great, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is really good. Um, I also had Somebody's Watching Me. Uh, Love Potion Number 9 by The Clovers. Uh, Haunted House by Jumpin' Gene Simmons. Grim Grinning, Gr- Grim Grinning Ghosts uh, from the Haunted Mansion ride. Uh, Boris the Spider by The Who. Jack the Ripper by Screaming Lord Such. St- Stutch. Uh, Ghoul's Night Out by The Misfits was my Misfits pick. And then you asked for it, you got it. Weird Al Yankovic with Nature Trail Hill. <laughs> Don't fear the Reaper. Yep, that's oh, that's another good one. Yeah. What we're trying to say is we've made a Halloween mixtape before. Is all once or twice. I, I went to my Spotify. Yep. I have twenty-seven different Halloween playlists. <laughs> <laughs> you just flip through there. Oh yeah, I mean I have them for every setting. I had one. I, I made one just for Blake's Halloween party last year. I have one for Horror Nights. I have one that's all synth horror. I have one that's Rocky Horror Halloween, uh-huh. Capitol Theater Halloween music. Uh, yeah, easy to do. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got it's about that time dead. too. You're dead and out of this world. Yeah, whoever sings that. I've yeah. made a book about um, six or seven CDs full of music that we used to play at Halloween Palooza every year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pull position today. Get your butts over to Twitter and vote for who you think picked the best horror-themed songs. And that's pull position. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. Okay, it's time to talk about the movies. Um, DJs and radio stations and all that cool stuff featured in horror movies. Uh, Andy, what's the first movie we're going to talk about? All right, our first film comes to us from 2009, and it is called... Dead Air. 
How are you feeling tonight, the old man? Oh, I am ready to divide and conquer. I am your host, Logan Bernhardt. The reason you stay awake at night, the personality you can't resist, the shrink you can't afford. Welcome to Heartburn. Tonight's subject is paranoia. You know, I wonder what this city would be like if it didn't have me to talk sense into it. Insanity. Okay, I see the lines are lit up. America, why are you so paranoid? At 11.05 p.m. in the east and 8.05 on the west coast, a series of explosions occurred at a number of sporting events and public gatherings. Something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. This is not a normal riot. It is not. Release of a foreign substance or toxin. These things, what do you mean things? I'm staying on the air until they get this under control. The victims affected could be in the tens of thousands. Jesus Christ, what's happening? Showtime. By tomorrow, millions of people are going to be infected with this thing. It is their eyes. They are like bleeding out of their eyes. Gil, can you hear me? Are you all right? Can you hear me? Oh, shit! Mommy? Okay, radio host Logan Bernhardt show, starts off his show with offbeat questions such as the where, whereabouts of the Taj Mahal. And why is it only photographed from the front? While, with listeners calling in on a variety of issues, he soon becomes aware that terrorists have planted chemical bombs in stadiums and crowded areas that make people violent. He subsequently asks his colleague to travel home to ensure that his wife Gabby and child are safe, not knowing that terrorists will soon take over the building and hold him and other colleagues hostage and force them to make a live broadcast of their real agenda. Okay, um, basically, uh, uh, a chemical weapons zombie movie. You've got uh, Bill Mosley, you know, nice fucking plan, Daisy, you know, um, <laughs> Trish... Patricia Tallman, which is nice. So you kind of yeah. have the um, reunion, yeah, yeah, the reunion of Night of the Living Dead. You've got uh, Barbara and uh, Johnny there, which is nice. Um, yeah, they're basically barricaded themselves in this uh, radio station with you know Gil and I believe uh, the other guy, the tech guy, was his name Bert, I believe. Um, and. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a lower budget movie, but it's, it's done as well as it is they could, they could possibly do it. I, I believe, um, uh, the, the terrorists have pumped, have planted, um, these, um, chemical weapons that make people, re, you know, very violent and it's, it's at a, uh, a sports complex nearby and basically, you know, traditional zombie rules you got to shoot them in the head it doesn't matter how many times you shoot them in the chest it's they're pretty much they're pretty much immune um there is uh you know there's links to the characters where you know patricia tallman's character and bill mosley they they used to be married um i guess that makes that that ups the stakes i guess i i don't know but um 
there 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 is funny part funny parts when like you know they're trying to barricade the door which the, my favorite part of the movie when she you know they've got all these desks and these filing cabinets and this shit up against the door because they don't want these crazy people coming in and she comes by and she puts a potted plant yeah. on the uh <laughs> on the desk he's you know and bill mosey what is that supposed to do you know and, <laughs> and can you just, just do like, this whole thing in that voice right. please? <laughs> in, in the bill mosey voice <laughs> yes it's so good <laughs> That's the first time I've did it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> these fucking crazy people are trying to come in here and try to fucking eat me while I'm doing the goddamn radio show. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they send Gil off to um, help um, Bill Mosley's uh, wife and kid to make sure that they're safe. Well, the kid, the, the this the city's completely under under siege and um it turns out he's actually married to a a muslim wife and has has a muslim kid and this uh the terrorist eventually gets up there and takes him hostage and he makes him say that you know uh basically that the the ter- the muslim terrorist started doing this and he makes him say a lot of derogatory things towards Arabs and, and Muslim people, because I believe they're just are just trying to jumpstart uh, jumpstart a conflict. Um, I didn't realize it was going to get as political, political it was. I don't think it hurts the movie, but um, yeah, it's just a it's a different take on. Uh, I guess I, I I don't even know if you can really call it uh, a zombie movie in the traditional sense because it's real it's really not. It's it's just different. Um, but I mean. It's not bad. I mean, I'm not going to rush out to watch it again. But uh yeah, it's uh it's it's okay. It's okay. It it's it, it did well. I'm glad I was just really glad to see Patricia Tallman in, in something else cuz yes. you just so, you don't see her very often. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'll I'll quit harping. You guys go ahead. Yeah, that's that's what I liked about this movie a lot was that it was really featured him and her. Yeah. Heavily. It was their movie. Mm-hmm. And like uh, his charisma has just carried the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I mean it, it's his. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Right. Um, I want to hear him. Like, why doesn't he have a podcast? His voice is awesome in this. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was great. He was great. I don't. His uh, isms weren't as pronounced. I think he did a good job of talking kind of normal for the most part. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I. I, I at first, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's all right. It's one of these kind of movies. I mean, it was, you know, just one of them cheap Anchor Bay type. I don't know. But then, like, right away, I'm like, all right, well, it's Bill Mosley, and he's he's just he's got my attention, and it's great, and everything's great. And I I I don't. I also don't think the politicalness hurt the movie, but it was definitely way more than I. I just. Not not just because I didn't agree with it. It's just so heavy-handed. I don't know. It was just it was tough. But at at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is a pretty cool little movie on Tubi. Yeah, I f- pretty much feel the same way. I felt like, uh, you know, wasn't anything I would recommend to a friend by any means. But Bill really carries it and oh, is is very likable. I felt it sort of fell apart towards the end once I like the suspense of like what's going on died down 
Um, it, it definitely, and probably was, definitely felt like, you know, one of those direct-to-DVD things you pick up at Dollar Tree or whatever, yeah. and, and nothing against that. You know, um, it was actually a pretty well-made, low-budget movie, and yeah. uh, the idea of, you know, throwing Bill in there with his personality and doing what he does best, and uh, but with the whole, like, sort of twist of the Muslim thing, I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, but... Yeah. It's not something I watch again, but um, I definitely did not hate it by any means. And but I do think that if anybody besides Bill Mosley was the lead, I probably would not have liked it as much. Yeah, yeah. well put. Yeah. Mike, whoa, what's going on over there? Come on, it was better than that. I did not. <laughs> I did not again. hate this movie. I okay. liked it for the most part. I I felt like. There's a lot of cool things going on in here, a lot of lot of uh, neat things, and you know I love, you know, people trapped in a location and not ever leaving that location. We do leave the location at some point, but um, the majority of the mo- movie is still just trapped in the radio station, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like some stuff they were trying to do missed the mark a little bit. I don't know if that's budgetary or direction or cinematography where it missed it, or maybe in the script. Um, but there was a couple moments and I'm like, oh, that is a cool concept, but it kind of just, it just was almost there, but kind of missed it. Once, one such, um, moment I'm talking about is the scene where he's talking to the guy who, uh, after the shit has hit the fan and he's talking to the one guy again, that believes that the FBI has been spying on him and he, he's on the phone with this guy and the guy's starting to turn and it's, um, all you hear is the audio of them talking on the phone with a video of the news of the people on the news getting attacked and one of the newscasters getting killed and it's and the and the the zombie or whatever rage induced person whatever pulls the body in front of the now knocked over camera and the body lays there and we watch it start to twitch and come back to life and all this that and the other thing mm-hmm. i thought that was very cool but could have been done better i felt like the news stuff looked a little too polished for um being attacked on live television um you know the body just happened to be drug right in perfect center of the frame you know everything was just was was pretty well lit in that shot Uh, when the camera got knocked over it was you know looked like it was set down a little more gently than it probably would have been, you know, it was crap like that, you know? Um, so it was, it was a cool moment. I was like, ah, oh, that could have just been executed a little bit better. Um, which by the way, did you realize that Larry Drake was yes. the voice of that guy? Yes, I did. I did see that. There's a hidden cast in this movie. That's freaking amazing. Actually. Yep. Larry Drake I... shows up, uh, the, the, um, the other guy, the other DJ guy with Bill is David Mascow, uh, who was little little Tom Hanks in the movie Big. And he was also in uh, Newsies and, and a bunch of other stuff, like from the 80s. Um, the dad from The Wonder Years is in this movie. I think he's probably just a voice, too, because I didn't see him anywhere. Yeah, um, how strange. But the biggest thing that knocked, yeah. knocked me off my chair was, this is directed by Corbin Burnson. Yeah. What the heck? The dentist. Yeah, the yeah. dent. Yeah, Mr. Dentist himself. Um, you know, he also did. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you fine. notice when the, when uh, when Gil was on his motorcycle, you know, going away, and he drove past that hobo? Did you recognize him? 
Who was no? Who? That was Tom Morga. Oh yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. That was Jason in part five. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you blink and you miss him, but I saw it in the credits. I'm just like, holy shit, that was Tom Morga. Yeah, oh, I wow. guess I did. It did, did look uh, kind of familiar. Cool, cool. Um, I love Bill Mosley. I love him. I love him. I think he is a great actor, and all of his DJ stuff was awesome and spot on. I agree with you guys. Yes, he needs to have a podcast. I could listen to him talk for hours. But when I don't know when the uh, when the outbreak happened and they're realizing what's going on and and he's freaking out about his wife and kid kind of felt a little phoned in. I don't know if that was a choice in his performance or if maybe at some point during the production he didn't care anymore, but there was a few lines that literally made me cringe. Like I, I yeah, I totally know what you're saying. I guess I just took it a grain of salt with uh they probably shot this out of order and the director did a Poor job of but understanding. The I know, scene right? And, you can quick. Who yeah, do you blame know, for that? Well, always the director. Always the director, right? But it's Corbin Burnson. But his performance was, yeah. <laughs> Corbin Burnson's not like just some up, you know, new time director or anything. Yeah. New time making movies. You know, he's been acting for years. I looked him up. He had directed a few things before this. Yeah. yeah. So you know, if you didn't like it, I would have fucking changed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like uh so I, yeah i don't know but yeah i don't know because th- the one moment like he's leaving messages for his wife on the phone and he's just like he's just like you know call me back i'm so andy could do it better <laughs> i'm so scared but that is the literally the tone he said it in i'm like that, what is that you're back. just i'm so scared <laughs> that was better you're just reading lines off a page yeah there were some like. moments where it like fucking terrified yeah some some bad performances got through, and the, eh, the, well. yeah, and and sadly it was it was Bill. Bills, but like I mean, the two bad guys weren't the best either. Um, no, but nope. uh, no, they were not. But when you're trying, but when you're relying on one guy to carry a whole movie, I it, I felt like it was a little less forgiving. And I don't know, maybe part of it is too that I'm just so used to Bill Mosley playing such over the top characters. That when he's toned down like that, it felt really toned down, and there was no urgency in his performance in that in that second and third act. Um, and then the final shot of the film just like straight up hated it. It felt like something I would have seen at a local Iowa film festival made by like high schoolers because it's a neat little shot at first where it's like high up. I don't know if it's a drone or it didn't feel like a drone shot. It really felt like. They enhanced the video because um, it got. It felt like it started getting kind of grainy, but it started out as a wide shot of him hugging his wife and kid, but his hand is like not even touching her. He's got his arms wrapped around her, and he's not really embracing her, and they are standing so perfectly still. And so it's just this tall shot of the camera. It's coming down. And I just feel like, I don't know, again, cinematographer, assistant director, somebody on the technical side is directing Bill saying, we need to, we need to, we need, we the, need this shot of the this shot is specifically just like this, you know? And because of that, you can just get this very stiff, stiff shot of him standing there, not really embracing his wife as it just zooms in from this high up shot all the way down 
to her neck where his hand is at, and you see that she's been scratched or bit or something. And and I'm just like, ugh, that's horrible. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, again, I didn't hate it. Uh, I, I, even though some of the performance made me cringe, but I just love Bill Mosley on screen at any given time. Yeah. So excited as, as seeing Patricia Tallman in a film again. Um, it's been way too long. Yeah. And she still looks good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm maybe being harsher on it. Uh, on Bill specifically, based on your guys's opinion on it, but uh, yeah, I, I just felt like it could have been the fact that it felt like there was so much more potential there. W- one of the other shots that I really that I really liked that I felt like was I felt like was better than that shot of the the newsroom, but it's when the uh, roving reporter in the street gets attacked. I thought yeah. that was done pretty well. I liked it. That was probably my favorite shot of the whole movie. Yeah, but yeah, if you just understand, it's a low-budget movie, l- led by Bill Mosley and Patricia Tallman. Like you, it's worth a watch for sure. I agree; it's definitely worth a watch, and it. I would not, I would not turn it away as far as adding it to my. No, I'm glad we movie did collection. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Okay, Tad, what's next on the uh, on the uh, topic here? The next movie is Bad Channels. The entire town of Pahuta is tuned to Superstation 66. Please, this bump's killing me! That was funny. But while dangerous Dan O'Dare is rocking the airwaves, a disc jockey from outer space is about to change the frequency to total terror. Can you believe this guy? What a maniac. (laughs) He's offering a prize to any beautiful woman who's listening. Hey, whatever they're doing, it's intense. A one-way trip to another (laughs) galaxy. (laughs) It really sucks! It was one of those things you don't quite see. Aliens are using my voice to aim the machinery. Oh, my God. Turn off your radios, people. They're doing it again. In space, no one is safe from rock and roll. All right, Bad Channels is a 1992 spoof from everyone's favorite Full Moon. Uh, I don't know what to even say. It's a... um, it's about two aliens, Cosmo and Lump, who invade a radio station with the intention of capturing female humans by using radio broadcasts. The hero's DJ forced to combat the aliens alone when listeners think he is joking about the invasion. 
Um, the film also has a soundtrack composed and performed by Blue Oyster Cult for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's... I went into this, I saw the Bad Moon logo, and I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm in for a long 90 minutes or whatever. Um, and it wasn't as bad as I had anticipated just after seeing that logo because it didn't take itself seriously. I think that's the strongest uh, asset is that it knows it's not a great movie and it has some pretty funny moments. Um, I I mean, it's from my like least favorite era of movies from my least favorite uh, <laughs> studio of making films. Uh, it's so, be so good. So, you know, say putting that aside, you know, with my expectations so goddamn low, I, I actually thought, you know, at least it's at least it's short, I guess. Find the silver <laughs> lining. But um, no, it was watchable. It was fun. It, it had moments where I laughed, but not not my uh, favorite of this episode. Um, but I imagine this uh, I'm, I'm just imagining Mike really likes oh, this one. It's clear that he's I do. Oh, God. I do love this movie. It's I, I'm calling it now. I'm officially saying it. This is my favorite full moon film. Full moon film. Well, when when the bar's set that high, it's, it's <laughs> tough. Oh, the Puppet Master movies are awesome. Some of okay. them. Uh, yeah, okay. Were you there when we watched the first Puppet Master and tried to comment? <laughs> I'm not sure that one held up. The new one. Uh, anyway. Um, Pit and Pendulum. That's a good one. Anyway, no, this is... I, I love this movie. This is definitely hands down my favorite uh, full moon film. I agree. Yeah, mostly because it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, doesn't take itself seriously at all. The aliens are outrageous and weird and <laughs> dorky looking. Um, the concept itself is just so off the wall. I felt like uh, Charles Band believed a lot in this project and gave it an extra quarter to the budget. Right. Um, just because, like, I f- I feel like it's shot. It's shot really, really well. It looks I think it looks really good for what it is. You know It looks like they tried really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it looks like a movie. Unlike, you know, some full moon <laughs> full moon movies that looks like it's just a sequence of things filmed and put on a VHS. Um you know, and then, yeah, springing for Blue Oyster Cult to do the uh, score and then getting those different bands. Premier, you know, granted, you know, no one knows no. who those bands are, but I liked I liked those bands. Yes, I but, thought that was, like, one of the other cool things were those weird, like, performances yeah. in the middle of the movie. Yeah. I straight, thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, straight-up music videos. There's, like, three right. music yeah. videos in this movie. And that's I feel probably like, my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, like, I think maybe that's why Charles Band, like, threw in a few extra bucks on this film because, oh, finally somebody figured out how to properly pad out a film, a week script that really only is 30 minutes of content. Let's put like three music videos in it. And because those music videos are entertaining, especially my favorite, and I fell in love with this band since the first time I've seen them, but it's so hard to track down any of their stuff. And that's Psychotic Symphony with yeah. their like... Cool um, band name too. Yeah, and they're hard to find because uh, the the spelling is so so wrong, so completely not how you spell those words. But uh, and you know, are all dressed up in weirdo costumes. Um, you know, the lead singer is in this cow outfit, and you know the the guitar player is dressed as a nun, and the song is just so so out there. I think it's awesome and hilarious. It I love really the song. sucks. Yep. Yep. And so that video was my favorite of the three, but yeah. those music videos 
look like they could play on MTV. They are just really well shot and well polished and um, and, this, and this is just and, an era of music. Like it's still sort of holding on to that yeah. 80s hair metal before grunge took over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely it's from like that right era. In that line, it's like in between the two. Yeah. And right. speaking of MTV, I know you had to love the main dude a lot, but this all has to be about Martha Quinn for you, right? I was totally going to say, <laughs> I was going to totally bring up Martha Quinn. Well, first of all, I always, I always had a thing for Martha Quinn, I for sure. I knew it. I knew but it. But it's not a coincidence that you hire Martha Quinn to be the second lead of a movie that's based around music mm-hmm. and music videos. So <clears throat> I always thought that was and, – and her performance, I mean, she's not an actress, right? No, but she's you acting know, her ass off. She is acting her ass off, yeah. and she is <laughs> fucking hilarious. Because yeah. just like how overly excited she gets when she's like, it's a UFO, you know? It's, it's – it's great. It's great. But uh um and it's in a very important film in the history of Full Moon oh. is that this is the oh. beginning of the connected oh, Full right. Moon universe. Of that tag at this the is end. a tag at the fucking end. tag at the end. You get end. Dollman yeah, d- showing d- up. I, I was I saw that and I was like, is this did it yep. did uh Tubi just go to the next fucking movie? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly had to hit pause. I thought I I was Went like yeah. yeah, I thought it because it just automatically plays the next movie, and I'm like, did I space out and let it go to the next movie? And this is the beginning of because I've never seen no any of those. You know, I I, I don't watch full moon movies no. for pleasure. I watch them because Mike makes it <laughs> in his home. <laughs> and so when I saw Dollman, I'm like, did he oh, just no. what the fuck is this? <laughs> I had to Google it. I'm like, this is a prequel to Dollman versus what? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm telling you, man, Charles Band is a genius. He's you ahead of his that time. Word Don't do not use much. that word. No. So ahead two. of his time, man. He <laughs> basically he invented special features, DVD features. That's true. He invented that by putting you know the full moon video magazines at the end of every movie. VHS. Um, back in the VHS days, who did that? Who put bonus material in VHS? That makes no sense. He did. was the first to create a cinematic universe. Well, that is yeah, a bull. That's I know that's not right. Okay. Well, then, you know, baby, oopsie Daisy is in that you know universe. That's right. Oh Jesus! <laughs> can walk. He can talk. He can even shit his pants. There's a uh, YouTube series I watch called Horror Timeline. It's really cool, and um, he'll do. He'll do full franchises and talk about the timeline and if they connect and whatnot. You and must he, love that channel. It's great. And he did an episode on um, the connected full moon universe. His head exploded. About did because there was way more connecting characters and threads oh, no. than I even ever realized. Wow. It's amazing. Anyway, did um, anybody Bad Channel's get... best movie ever. Did anybody get like I sort of got like a batteries not included vibe from one of the like the you know like the little robot that, that the alien had with him? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just like, was like, should be making like cheeseburgers with old people or something. Yeah, I the, the movie's not bad, but right. but it's not good. <laughs> I it's really, fun. No, I didn't enjoy this at all. But but it's not bad. Like maybe I had a little fun, but it's yeah, it's probably the best of their movies. When did this show become the but, Full Moon hate show? Uh, well, well, you make I, us watch Full Moon movies, and that's how I, it happens. I, right. I, will, I, will, I wouldn't hate I will, it if I didn't have to watch them. Yeah. <laughs> I, all right, Mike. Mike, I'll, I'll help you out here. At least, 
at least when they killed the aliens, they actually used like a chemical instead of water. <laughs> yeah, aerosol that, cans. That's how you that's, kill aliens. That's 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 me shitting all over signs, but you know. Well, oh no, we got we got this. Oh signs yeah, because is... signs is so much worse than what than bad I know, channels. I know, what a I what know. a hot take. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm just fucking with him. <laughs> What, what do you think of the alien? Where it's just a big poofy head with a glass window so he can see what I he's believe doing. It, a, a, I believe a big a guy prehistoric <laughs> um, fossilized turd for a helmet. Yeah. yeah. With with a porthole. Yeah. It's awesome. It was like the first Slipknot member. It was pretty <laughs> shit, shit, shit not. Yeah. The aliens <laughs> remind me of, uh, what's it, Cl- Krang and whatever from The Simpsons. You know, the two uh. aliens. <laughs> the... Well, the the robot one, the uh, the robots on Mystery Science Theater three thousand aren't aren't as clanky as that thing. No, like Meatzilla from Hunger Force sitting on a, some guy's shoulders. Oh yeah, that's a good one. It's a movie. Andy, did you say your opinion on it? Yeah, he says uh, better in Signs. You heard that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, actually Signs is Citizen Stop Kane it. Compa- compared to this. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm on par with you guys. I mean, I, I enjoyed the music videos. Um, yeah, very, very nineties, you know, cause I mean, you've got like the hair metal band, then you've got like the grunge band and then you've got like, I don't know what's, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe psychotic symphony. It's kind of like <laughs> ICP meets Primus or something. I, I, I don't know. That but um, I, uh, to me. To me, that band falls into like whatever class you would consider, say like maybe Kiss meets Primus, Mr. Bungle, or you know, just musically all over the place, chaos. Right. Um, But I mean, to Tad hits the nail on the head here. This movie doesn't take itself too too seriously. I mean. With with the green fungus, you know, and the guy, you know, sitting up on the operating table. I mean, the sheriff, you know, he sees the fungus move by the radio, and he just opens fire in the middle of a fucking hospital. <laughs> and he's just like, kill the fucking fungus! So it's like, it's not even doing anything. Like, why are you shooting this? Like, what the fuck? Um, but, yeah, I mean, if it's... To me, this is like, if it came on... And there was nothing else on that I would probably clean the house, but um <laughs> I'm surprised you don't own it on VHS. No, you know, I you know, I thinned out my collection. Um but if it made me a lot of money, yeah, I'd find it to sell it, but uh to Mike. Um yep. <laughs> I think I already have it on VHS. I know I got it on oh, DVD. Wow. And nice. I've got the soundtrack on C D too. Oh boy. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, he lost but, a bet somewhere. Yeah. yeah. What? But it's uh, yeah. I can say that I've seen it. That I've sat through it. That Mike, once again, gave us our <laughs> biweekly torture. So, yeah, it's 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 it was fun in spots, but I'm just like, oh boy, wow. It's it's a film, I guess. <laughs> Oh, fine. Let's move on before I start to cry. Jason, what's our last movie we're going to talk about? 
Up next. Oh, man. Saving the best for last. Eh, I don't know. Come on. It's from 2013. The Lords of Salem. Hi. Are you the new tenant? I just saw the tenant like 10 minutes ago standing in the doorway. to break it to you, but there is no person in number five. You have to understand that there is a war waging in heaven. On a rare occasion, a special child appears. Is everything all right? the lords of Salem, possessing the souls of the Salem women, which the devil's child would inherit the earth. Satan, come, come to us! does not spare angels when they sin. Sherry Moon Zombie in Salem, Massachusetts, is plagued by nightmarish visions of vengeful witches after she plays a record by a mysterious group known only as the Lords. Um, this movie fucking rules. Um, <laughs> I I haven't seen it in a long time, and. I've uh, definitely had a roller coaster uh, relationship with Rob Zombie and his films. I like most of them, but they're. But goddamn, this movie is so goddamn good. Like. I think it gets better every time I watch it. I think so too. That's. It grows on me every time I watch it. I just couldn't. I, I just loved. I don't know that it was shot on film, but it at least looked like it was shot on film. It was grainy in like the good way, not in a bad way, and an extremely atmospheric. So atmospheric, and the thing I, the secret weapon of this movie, I think, might be uh, the art direction. Um, from yeah. her apartment to the yes. radio station. Fucking high five to those guys. I think it's to that whole apartment. God damn, they fucking Which went to town. Doesn't even make sense. No, nope. but it doesn't ma- matter at all. Because uh, you know, because Ken Forey makes it feel like the seventies, but it ain't. You know, right? It's but a that, bit confusing on when this takes place. It really is, but yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah, you know, it's that, the whole thing feels like sort of like a dream. Yeah, yeah man. And and Sherry Moon is great in this, and I think I really 
love Jeff Daniel Phillips more right. than yes. ever. Oh, Every, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's awesome. awesome in this. Because the first time I watched this, and, and with all of Rob's movies, I'm like, he. there's always a character that looks like Rob in him. Down oh, to yeah. Michael Myers, and <laughs> yeah. and um and so it, it's not. I mean, I let it bug me early on, but like now this time, I just watched it as clean as I could, and I loved Jeff's uh, just his whole everything about him in this movie was so good, and He's just a good person. He was character wise. Yeah, I really yeah. related to him in this one, and it, it just broke my heart. And yeah, she's. And, and the fucking scares. Man, it, it ramps up nice and easy with atmosphere. And then when that first, like, th- what the fuck did I just see? You know? <laughs> like, And then the, the next one, what the fuck did yeah. I just see? You know? And, it, and that keeps getting ramped up. And oh, my Lord. And you're just like. And then it has all the, like, things you love about, like, his music videos from just what. Uh, all the monsters in this yeah. are incredible. I just loved them from the from the surgeon doctor guys with their oh my god it's terrifying to the big creepazoid when he, she first walks into that apartment with that the cross. big furry thing yeah Jesus yeah. Christ every and monster in the this tentacle is oogie boogie looking fucking, fucking thing incredible that she, <laughs> whatever the hell that was oh man I just loved it I loved it loved it like you could watch shit. this on mute yeah and it would be yeah. gorgeous just to look at like it's a it's like Visually, every scene is like a piece of art. I love it. Like, yeah, and yeah. It, and so, it, but I didn't remember this. But this time I watched it. It had, it still had the Rob Zombie thing that I think he likes doing. That I kind of hated about House of a Thousand Corpses, where it would just cut to like montage RT things, just weird imagery. And then go to the yeah. story. Like it was just m- minimal in this, where it seemed like to the, like over the radio station uh, bumper that throws me off a little bit. And it then, does a little, yeah. But okay. towards, I mean, I'll, I'll say the one thing that always has sort of taken me out for just a little bit is at the very end when she's like riding the goat, that kind of thing. Like it goes a little bit too far into the music video. Yeah, uh, thing bit. where yeah, but it still doesn't ruin it by any no, means for me. No. It just sort of yeah, I get what you're saying. Is like he he likes to insert these little random shots. You it know. just seemed yeah, it seemed a little more subtle than all his other things. And I'm like, okay, I I like what you're doing, but it was always too much for me until this movie. It yeah. seemed way more palatable. Well, that's the key word there is subtle. With this him. is like I don't know, I just saw some demons, three demons jerking off with their bloody dicks in front of me and I'm like that's yeah. not subtle. But it was the most terrifying scene. <sighs> oh my god, I'm scared. It's awesome. I love watching demons jerk off. You <laughs> I'll cut that clip out you, later. You got uh, the as far as building that atmosphere, <laughs> you get like all those cool shots of, you know, there's something there's something in the corner, you know, and it's not like yeah. it's not like highlighted in the scene. It's not it's just there and it's creeping you out. And that is not typical Rob Zombie. This is yeah, he's still got some over the top imagery going on in this, but even still I would have to say that just it's still, you know, jerking off demons still feels a little more subtle compared to yeah. what you would see the execution of yes. it yes. is more subtle. And 
I've never seen him ever build atmosphere like this oh. before or since. Um, that and that's the that's the thing that gets me is this this whole movie is just you know an hour ramping. and a half of of atmosphere and ramping and and you some people might complain that you have no idea what the freak is going on in that <laughs> in that final part of the film but i'm i'm way more cool with it i love that i love that it's yeah. rather ambiguous because i come up with something different every time i wa- yes. i've watched yeah. it with leftier interpretation and yeah it's and I, it, to me this movie plays out like almost like a greek tragedy because like when um Heidi Hawthorne or whatever, uh, she gets her palm read, right? And she's left to fate, right? So this is her, this, the whole movie is about her devolving into this curse that she has no control over because it's left to forces beyond her control, right? So, I mean, it's just, it's her, it's her fate. This is, this, this is going to happen to her. The curse is finally being, you know, fulfilled after 300 years or whatever, and it's just like no matter what she's done in her life, you know, it's it's you know she's just losing her her sense of identity that she's built. She's conquered these demons with you know drug addiction, and she even goes back to that to try to quell what's happening to her now because it's so awful. But she still has no control over it. So I mean, it's really this movie's like I mean this this movie's really kind of a bummer. It's a tragedy because I mean even even in the final closing shots, from what I could tell, it just shows her what her life used to be, and it was her just you know happy and playing with her dog and you know mm-hmm. just living her life, you know, and being a DJ. This like it's not it's not meant to be. Yeah, it's definitely. It's a great example of just a downward spiral for for a character, is and well, where I'm shocked at you like it, Jason, because like there's no breaks given. Oh, it descent. is a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, I man. yeah. I, I I love this movie. I was lucky enough to see it in theaters. Uh, it played in oh, Des Moines, wow. so we drove all the way to Des Moines two and a, three hours from Burlington to yeah. watch it. Uh, I actually have two different one sheet posters that I won in a contest, and nice. oh, nice! Uh, yeah, like a pink one and I think a yellow one. They're both the same poster, but different backgrounds. Uh, to me, this is like truly, yeah, Rob's best movie, and sort of a bummer because it's like where he hit this peak, and then everything after has just been. I mean, we don't need to focus on that. But anyways, um, looking at that, that being said, I honestly, I've been trying to crack the code of like, what, what did it, what makes it? And I honestly think it's like, I mean, looking at this, I, I know people are going to grow listeners. Jason Blum produced this. Yep. Um, Brandon Trost did the cinematography and he is so good. So talented. Now he's directing movies. Uh, you know, the just looking at the list, I'm like looking at the set decorators. Uh, Jennifer Spence, she's worked on, she did like Splinter, Shazam, uh, so many like really. Te- she did uh, the Insidious movies, Paranormal Activity movies. Uh, she's she's done some really fantastic stuff. Um, the other set director, um, Lori Mauser, has she's done some really big. Hollywood movies. I'm not saying that money's always best in bit, but oh, the budget it, wasn't any more. Right, most, but it feels. Yeah. But but using it to his yeah. advantage, you know, he's talked openly about how this 
was financially like budget versus what they made was his most successful movie, even though like Halloween was, you know, the still held the record for biggest, like, what was it? Labor day or I don't remember what day, what, what it came out some weird weekend and held records for a long time, Mm -hmm. biggest opening, but it costs a lot. And this one costs so little and for somehow it made its money back so quickly. And he, he's talked about how this is like financially his, his most successful movie, but, um, just something, it just looks gorgeous. And I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, not to take it away from Rob, but clearly that's not, you know, necessarily all him. I think all, he had all the ingredients together and he's trying to still recreate that magic. Like for me, three from hell is the biggest example of that where he's like, you loved rejects. Let me do it again. But with the whole, but he it sort of showed that it wasn't necessarily him because he didn't have the same cinematographer he didn't have the same editor he didn't have any of those people back and it was very obvious and to me this is like a perfect storm it shows the importance of other people in a movie that he needs to maybe have some people who are not just yes men and let him do what he wants you know what i mean maybe some people who have a little more input yeah I I agree. I think as a director, he can be an amazing director if he is collaborating with the people around him. When it's when it's like um, Rob Zombie, free for all, do whatever I I want, then that's when it's not working. Yeah, and but I think that can be said for a lot of filmmakers though. Too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the filmmaking process is a collaboration. You know, no absolutely, you and are. and unfortunately, I think in the case of this it's like looking at these people that he worked with on here i think i'm not you know i'm not, like i said i'm trying to crack this code and i don't know if i ever will but it's like i feel like some of these people he he met them on their way up and they worked on this and now like brandon trust could probably never work on a rob zombie movie again right. because he's just way too big he's doing his own things um you know some of these people are just uh, jason blum is probably not going to be back in the uh, rob zombie business anytime soon but uh you know it's right place right time all the right ingredients combined rob got to do this like weird to me right after halloween 2 which is another like it's probably right up there with this where it's like rob got to be his weirdest and experimental but also play with a studio budget and use really talented people to put his vision on the screen in the best way possible. Um, to me, this is just like really fucking cool. I remember when it came out and everybody was like, you know, Oh, it's either you had the lovers or the haters and the people who loved it were like, Oh, anybody who doesn't like this obviously doesn't know about like Italian cinema. And I'm like, this is a, that's a weird comparison. I don't see this as like, an Ar, you know, an Argento movie or anything other than like some color gels or whatever. It's it's very much his own. Maybe like a Ken Russell or or a Kubrick or something, but not I, Italian cinema. I wonder if the comparison to Italian cinema because I I think I did that as well back back when it first came out, and I think for me it was more of the fact that uh, you don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, the, exactly. No, <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. The the, um, the the visuals is more important than the than the story. And I can get that, There's yeah, moments. too. And, yeah. yeah. But, man, like, so many... Like, I was watching this, and I just was like, you know, it, it's it's been... It hasn't been that long. It used to... It, it's usually, like, something I try to play, like, almost every October, but it's still like, God, this is so beautiful. Just mm-hmm. looking at it, it looks so rich, and, and the cinematography is so great. What the fuck happened? You know, just... 
what put this next to the monsters trailer and tell oh, someone I knew that this, that is <laughs> I the same it. that is the same guy it's you just like it. it's painful man i just want rob to be able to do like to to make things like this you know and unfortunately i just i don't i i i, re, I will watch everything he puts out he can put out a hundred bad movies and i'm gonna watch the hundred and first you know and yep. it's just but it's just like to know that he has his potential in him to do something like this yeah it's in there man and it's like i i'm rooting for you and it's not to shit on you rob like i because i know you're listening and oh, uh, yeah, big fan of the show. he's a big, you know, he's a, he's an attacker. He, he's on like the top, you know, yeah. tier and he actually paid us to watch this again. But, um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's and even written by him and you know, it's, it's yeah. just, and, and you know, for all the criticism on Sherry, she's great in this and yep. you know, I agree. It's just every, this is her best. This is his best. I mean, we have Meg Foster in there, Patricia Quinn, just a D Wallace, mm. a great cast of you know new and old you know his his new people that he's brought in and the old you can get to see Maria Conchita Alonso you never get to see her anymore hardly and some yeah. old you know we even get a little Michael Berryman and Sid Haig action in there uh, Barbara Crampton as well if you yeah. you blink and you miss her blink and miss yeah exactly yeah just so many cool things and I dig the score that you know uh, yeah, John Five say, John Five worked oh, on it and why don't you so bring back haunting. John. Yeah, bring back John Five. I mean, Griffin Boyce also worked on it too. But like, John Five's in your band. He's he's way too talented for Rob Zombie's band. And it's like, d- dude, you have this guy at your dispense. Like, I've always thought he was way too good at guitar for Rob's band. But he has. It's it's so much fun watching him live. It's like mm-hmm. he really changed Rob's music too. Why don't you keep bringing him back for movies, man? Like, yeah. that guy is so talented, and this this score is so fucking haunting, and the soundtrack rips too. Like. Oh, Venus and Furs is it's really cool and absolutely one of my favorite parts about this movie is like it, like Mike said it's all about uh atmosphere and ramping up and like to me the pinnacle of that is like also the most important part of that because it all leads about the, into this song that is on this record that does all of this and like if that song was bad I don't know how good this would be right and god Damn, I love that song, if you want to call it a song. Yeah. It's so, it's fucking it's perfect. freaking creepy. For what it needs to be. It, it resonates through yeah. the whole <sighs> movie and the whole score, and it's just. There's just a little bit in that trailer, and I'm like, oh, man, that's mm-hmm. enough of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It ranks up there as, as one of the more yeah. getting under my skin bits of uh, movie music. So chef's kiss to John Five on that one. God, it's so good. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to own the uh, waxwork, you know, score. I didn't get the cool one that comes in the wooden Lord's box. Oh, and what a sold out in like what sixty seconds? I think. Not, oh yeah, and I couldn't afford it, it if not, I wanted it, but uh, it's like so five hundred dollars cool. or something. Yeah, but so damn cool and oh god, like, it was gorgeous. Yeah, and 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 I want a whole movie of the the old timey witch stuff too. Even that's super gorgeous and cool and creepy. Oh and, yeah, and that gives you those fall, yeah. you know, Salem vibes. I'm like. I want I, I, I give Rob a whole witch old witch movie, you know. Yep. Cool shit, man. So good. Uh-huh. Who did so I give good. the uh the bumper sticker to? I, know I, I gave... have it. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. I thought nice. you might have it. Big blue thing. It's beautiful. I have it in my new Hell's Kitchen, the Kitchen of Horror. That's yeah, right. and I and I uh <laughs> 
you know, like I, I told you guys in the private chat after watching this, oh, and yeah. I, I knew there was a novelization, and you can get it on eBay for seven bucks shipped, and it's a big ass hardcover, brand new. That's There's a cool. seller, yeah, and it's and it's um, based on his original screenplay that he had to cut severely for budgetary reasons. Mm. Um, so I might actually read it because <laughs> from what I'm understanding, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more when, when I go to the trivia stuff, but there's, um, quite a bit that they had to cut out of the story. And I don't know, maybe that's for the better because, you know, it's, it's really is good. And he, he sort of talked about it when it came out that, and, and this was like, I think his actually like last, like just sort of had a limited release, but it was his actual, just normal last normal theatrical movie he did because after that they started going to like the fathom things and special events and now he's going straight to netflix and and streaming but uh you know i don't know if having more would be better it's it's sort of perfectly yeah you know to taint this thing right yeah who you know who knows sometimes rob doesn't know when to stop so (laughs) maybe cutting some of that was was good for him Andy, did you have anything else to add? No, I mean, basically, yeah. What what I said before, it's just it plays out like a really, really good tragedy. I mean, for as uh, for as much as a bummer as this movie really is, it's so engrossing and so entertaining, and just like the all the characters are on point, and the and the set design. And I know I'm pretty much repeating everything. That it, what everybody else said. I mean, uh, even D Wallace and, uh, Patricia Quinn and Judy Gleason in it when they are sort of, uh, you know, when they invite that guy over for tea, the, the guy who played, um, was his name? Bruce or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. uh, Bruce, uh, uh, don't say Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. Iron Maiden. No. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just when they're when they're when they start talking, it's like I think I should leave now. I was just like, it was. It's generally unnerving because they're like all so nice, like during the whole thing, and then they're using swear words and all this and that, and just and D Wallace is, you know, and if you've ever, you know, I know since we've gone to Crypticon a few times, D Wallace is like one of the nicest ladies right, in the so world. So uncharacteristic. Yeah, yeah. and so you just great. start. Yeah, and it's so off-putting. It's just yeah. like, D, be nice. You're supposed to be a nice lady. Um, but, yeah, uh, like you guys said, every time I, you know, get a chance to watch this, I ended up I end up liking it more yeah, and more. Yeah, you nailed every it time. with that. It actually gets better every time. Uh, you know, and I didn't, you know, I I didn't hate it the first time I watched it. But I wasn't crazy the first time I watched it, but, like, that that's what's so weird about this, you know. I felt it was good enough for me to give it a second chance, and the more chances that I gave it, the more I ended up liking it. And it just and it just snows, snowballs, you know. You, you, you start seeing more things that you really, really like about it. And maybe that had something to do that you were just so... I, I think I was just so used to all the mayhem... Of like the Halloweens and you know the Firefly family, just you know, because I was just like, that's what I guess that I was expecting more of that, you know, more more of the same. And I got a completely different movie, but I still liked it, but it just wasn't what I was used to, you know, coming from him. But yeah, I felt compelled, 
you know, I mean that that's the I guess that's the mark of a good movie if you feel if you feel compelled to watch it again and then you just like it more and you like it more, you know, and yeah, it's just hands down it's a day it's you know there's no denying that it's it's a good movie oh yeah and uh we love this movie so much that uh um we wanted to learn more about it let's learn more about it right now hey tad what do you got for trivia on lords of salem there is so much on this so i'm going to sort of rip through it and not uh talk too much on the details and i'm not doing everything because that would take all night but um the screenplay had a subplot about a film named Frankenstein and the Witch Hunter, a kind of hammer film exploitation that uh, the characters of Matthias and his wife attend thanks to free tickets from the radio station. Rob Zombie actually shot this film within the film with Udo Kier, Camille Keaton, and Clint Howard, but all the scenes related to that were deleted from the final cut. So he actually filmed these. Um, if you have the Blu-ray, there is no special features, not even a trailer um, sucks. Yeah, there's there, and Rob's talked about that a little bit, and that he does not like to look back because it, everybody's asked for the you know unrated House of Thousand Corpses and um, making of Halloween two and all and all the stuff, and he's like, you know, I we filmed it, we have all the stuff, we have all the latest scenes. Lionsgate decided not to put it on the Blu-ray, but I'm not going to fight to go back and uh, I'm moving forward. Is basically what he said. But I would love to see some of this stuff. Um, Rob describes this film as um, if Ken Russell directed The Shining. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That's good. There are no digital effects in this film at all. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. Um, he fi- Rob has hinted at this film being a metaphorical and spiritual prequel to his Halloween films. Interesting. Um, Richard Lynch didn't have to audition for the role of as Reverend John Hawthorne, but Rob Zombie cast him based on their previous collaboration on Halloween, where he played the the principal of the school. Um, This ended up being a mistake, as per the account of Michael Berryman. Um, Lynch showed up on the set nearly blind and unprepared, having not memorized his lines at all. Um, So Reverend Hawthorne was supposed to appear in an opening pre-title sequence that featured Andrew Prine as Judge Mather and Berryman and Sid Haig as a pair of witch-hunting brothers. Zombie tried in vain to shoot around Lynch, but he simply was not able to perform. With the budget stretched as it was, another day of shooting the scene was not possible. So So Zombie originally planned to add an additional scene with Hawthorne in a studio setting to be shot to salvage the scenes, but unfortunately Lynch passed away before they could even get it filmed. Um, With no options left, the scene was shot with Prine as the Reverend, and existing footage was edited to make it appear as Prine played the character, deleting Lynch from the final movie. Um, These problems also led to the deletion of several subplots involving characters meant for meant to be the descendants of Haig and Berryman's characters, as well as the descendants of Prine's original character, Maze, played by Dustin Quick. So there was a whole different subplot, and Richard Lynch was in it, and it sounds like, unfortunately, due to his health. And, you know, Rob has a bad uh, sort of luck with that, you know, with Sid Haig and, and Three from Hell. Yeah. Um, you know, and mm. we and half, half, if not most, of the... Uh, Corpse's cast is freaking dead now, so it's uh yeah, I don't know, man, but this yeah, obviously the last film of Richard Lynch. Um 
there's just so much on here, but I, I thought those were the uh, the most interesting things on here. Dang. Cool. Well, thanks for that, Tad. Yeah. Okay, folks, that is all for our discussion on films with radio stations and or DJs. Uh, but that's not all, folks. When we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We're going to take a quick break so you can hear all about our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Uh, the PFPN is home to over 30 shows, including The Gore Lords. We've made our way through the cemetery. The stench of death is in the air. You approach a decaying brick building. The sign is unclear. You brush away the moss and dust and are able to make out the words, Gortuary. As you begin to process the words, mouthing them to yourself, three hands grab you by your boots firmly with ill intent. You look down to see the hands have emerged from a crack in the door of the decaying building. It's evident that you that you that you've stumbled upon the Gore Lords. So check them out and all the other shows at thepfbn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. And now it's time to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! All right, everybody, we asked the question, what are your favorite horror movies involving involving radio stations? And a bunch of great, great comments. Um, first on our Facebook page, we got Attacker Jacob McLaughlin. He says, The Fog. I could listen to Adrian Barbeau talk for hours. It's also a pretty underrated Carpenter movie. Trick or Treat is also a lot of fun as well. Woo! Yeah. And then our newest attacker, Bill Fisher. That's right. Yeah. That awesome guy. He says, Pontypool is brilliant and the best. Heck Fact. Yeah. Yep. Fact. The only reason why we didn't do it on this show because we've done it before. 1,000 times because it's so <laughs> yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right. Up next, we got Derek Wyrather. He says, The Fog and Urban Legend. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, over on our Facebook group, the group edition, we got, let's see here, we got Mitchell Houston says, a night of horror, nightmare, radio would have to be one of my favorite movies involving a radio station made me afraid to answer calls. A night of horror, nightmare, a night of horror, nightmare. I don't know. Yeah. Tim Lennerer says Pontypool takes place pretty much entirely at a radio station with a tiny cast, three people at a time, though someone gets replaced on the way to Act 3, if I remember right. Paradoxically, it's that 
tiny focus that makes the apocalypse seem more real. The viewer doesn't have any more information than the poor, doomed suckers on the screen, and it helps with the atmosphere immeasurably. Honorable mentions to The Fog, Night of the Comet. Woo! Yep, yep, which is on the latest episode of I Like It Spooky Podcast. Check it out on the VFPN. Uh, which has a radio station, but the DJ is a handful of essential salts next to the building. <laughs> Uh, 1986, Trick or Treat. Yeah. Mars Attacks. <laughs> and Eight-Legged Freaks. That's been One of Mike's favorites. I, I haven't seen that since the theater, I think. <laughs> Dishonorable mention to Urban Legend, the movie that has someone try to decapitate the driver of a moving vehicle not once, but twice. <laughs> then we got Attacker Rose at a stone. Her name. It's not a real name, but Attack of Rose, she says, The Fog, the 1980s version with Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, it's not really a favorite. It's just what came to mind. Ha, ha, ha. We got to figure out what Rose means because that movie's awesome. It is great. <laughs> Come on, Rose. Uh, Lisa from the Bad Movie Bunny podcast probably picks the best one. And I know Tad agrees with his comment. She says, The Vast of Night, which Hell is it. on Amazon, yeah. is a good one. You bet. I reviewed another uh, really cool short on my own podcast called Dead Air. Uh-huh, I've heard a movie called that. <laughs> but yes, Fast and Night is amazing. And then we got uh, Clint Michael Tacey on the uh, I Like a Spooky podcast. He says, since we just covered it, I have to go with Night of the Comet. I want to throw the cast of that film as much love as possible because they are amazing and very good to us. Oh, I better check that episode out. Yeah. Uh, we don't have anything on Instagram, but over on Twitter, we got some nice replies. We got Fawn Toth at FJT817 says, The Fog. We got uh, Casey Kelderman, attacker Casey says, The Vast of Night and Pontypool. Two great picks. He's at yep. Casey Kelderman. Uh-huh. And then we got uh, Sam, who draws cartoons. Oh, I can't read his whole name. Uh, his whole name is Sam, who draws cartoons and stuff. At <laughs> at Film Lens, L-E-N-Z. What's Sam Lens? Sam Lens, yep. He says, it's a bit of an obvious choice, but mine's John Carpenter's The Fog. You can't beat Adrian Barbeau and our Lord and Savior, J.C. Classic. <laughs> when... When people are saying the fog, they should be. They are technically saying uh, tales of Halloween too, because Stevie Wayne is in both of those movies. Yeah. yeah. And then lastly on Twitter, we got Dustin Kretzinger, MDMCCE. I don't know what that's all about. A doctor stuff. Uh, at DD Kretzinger, he says, "Not a movie, um, but radio stations played a central role in Under the Dome." At least season one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that. Oh, but it's not done yet. The phone is ringing. Let's not answer it so that it goes to voicemail. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly radio transmission to the airwaves. So it sounds like this week we're doing radio horror. And when I think of radio horror, I think of The Fog, a movie that I've grown to love. But what's scarier? Then turning on the radio in your car and hearing the voices from the crew at the Attack of the Killer podcast on the PFDN. 
Now that is nightmare fuel. I hope you guys have a good week. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks, Brian. You're so funny, you turd. Um, Y'all can call in, too, and leave your voicemail and get your voice on the show, just like Attacker Brian. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave that voicemail, get on the show, and that is shout-outs. And that's not all, folks. We're not done yet. It's time for Insane's Picks. As we enter into the last few inductees into the Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, I feel it would be a crime not to enter this filmmaker into the Hall of Fame. He's a man that all other bad films are compared to. He has been awarded Worst Filmmaker Ever, that even today such filmmakers as Tommy Wiseau, Neil Breen, or even Michael Bay, that his status has not been challenged. That is why this Hall of Fame inductee, we are obviously going to induct the legendary Edward D. Wood Jr. Yeah, I gotta. Ed Wood, whose full name is Edward Davis Wood Jr., was a writer and director who made several low-budget movies in the 1950s, uh, but not exclusive to the sci-fi and horror genre. Uh, His films are famous for their massive technical errors, cheap special effects, poor use of stock footage, awful continuity, outrageously bad dialogue, and eccentric casting. Uh, Ed Wood was born October 10th, 1924, in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, it is believed that Wood's mother, Lillian, would dress him as a, in girls' clothing when he was a child because, he, because she always wanted a daughter. Uh, from then on, for the rest of his life, Ed Wood continued to cross-dress, feeling more comfortable in women's clothes. On his 12th birthday, Wood would get his first movie camera, a Kodak Cinespecial, uh, one of his first pieces of footage that he shot was the airship Hindenburg passing over the Hudson River at Poughkeepsie shortly before its disastrous crash in New Jersey. In 1942, Wood enlisted into the Marines at age 17, just months after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Assigned to the 2nd Defense Battalion, he reached the rank of corporal before he was discharged in 1946 at age 21. He claimed uh, to lose his teeth in combat, although military records have shown um, that uh, uh, that is actually false. Wood Wood would also later claim that he feared being wounded in battle more than being killed, mainly because he was afraid of the combat medic would discover him wearing a pink bra and panties under his uniform. Home from the war, Ed would move to Hollywood, California in 1947. He started writing scripts and began getting jobs directing television pilots and a few commercials. In 1948, Wood wrote, produced, directed, and starred in The Casual Company, a play derived from his own unpublished novel, which was based on his service in the United States Marine Corps. It opened at the Village Playhouse to... You guessed it, very negative reviews. 
That same year, he wrote and directed a low-budget Western called Crossroads of Liardo uh, with the aid of a young producer he met named Crawford John Thomas. The film was shot silent and was never completed during Wood's lifetime. Wood then joined the Screen Actors Guild in 1951 and worked very briefly in various jobs in films and television, such as Stuntman, among many other things. When writing, Wood would use a number of different pen names, including Angora, in reference to Angora, his favorite female textile, um, a, a Cadova Telming, uh, basically the backward spelling of his favorite alcoholic beverage, a vodka uh, gimlet. In 1952, a very important chapter in Ed Wood's history would take place when he was introduced to actor Bella Lugosi by a friend and roommate and fellow writer-producer Alex Gordon. Bella and Ed would become great friends, even though Bella Lugosi's own son and many others felt that Wood exploited Lugosi's stardom, taking advantage of the fading actor uh, when he could not afford to refuse work. However, in the book Nightmare and Ecstasies, um, suggests that Wood and Lugosi were genuine friends and that Wood, helped L- Wood would help Lugosi through the worst days of his clinical depression and drug addiction. Lugosi had become dependent on morphine and was in very poor mental state caused by his recent divorce. In 1953, Wood directed the semi-documentary film Glenn or Glenda, which was also originally titled I Changed My Sex, with producer George Weiss. Glenda or Glenda was a film that was supposed to be about the Christine Jorgensen sex reassignment story, and it starred Wood under the alias Daniel Davis as the lead Glenn, Glenn or Glenda, a man who is a transvestite. This film was the start to Ed's using regular cast of quirky performers, including his then-girlfriend Dolores Fuller, uh, Timothy Farrell, Lyle Talbot, Talbot, and uh, Conrad Brooks, and of course, Bela Lugosi as the godlike narrator-slash-scientist. Fuller was shocked to uh, learn that soon afterwards that Wood was actually a transvestite. Glenda Glenda was shot in only four days, uh, the film included 14 minutes of stock footage, including the end credits, and 73 seconds that ran concurrently with new footage of Bela Lugosi. The stock scenes included such stuff as fake lightning, which was used like six times, pedestrians walking, used three times, highway days, used three times, highway nights, used twice, playground, used twice, um, uh, superior court, used twice, ridiculous softcore natives, Bison stampedes, parking lots, steel foundries, World War II, ambulance, airplanes, single men, milkmen, and girl with fuzzy hats or sweaters. In 1953, Wood and Wood wrote and directed a stage show for Bella Lugosi called the Bella Lugosi Review that was put on at the Silver Slipper in Las Vegas. Wood acted as Lugosi's dialogue coach when he was guest starred on the Red Skelton show in 1954 alongside Lon Chaney Jr. and Vampira. Wood then co-produced and directed a crime movie called Jailbait in 1954 along with his co-writer slash roommate Alex Gordon. But it wasn't until 1955 when Edward D. Wood Jr. would begin the horror and sci-fi films that he was most well known for with 
Bride of the Monster. Written, produced, and directed by Ed Wood, Bride of the Monster was originally titled Bride of the Atom, and then The Monster of the Marshes. It starred Bella Lugosi as the mad scientist who was trying to make a race of atomic supermen. The film also stars Swedish wrestler Tor Johnson as mute manservant Lobo, Paul Marco as Kelton the Cop, Billy Benedict from the Bowery Boys was in it, Harvey B. Dunn, and Loretta King. Soon after the film was completed, Bell Lugosi committed himself into the Norwalk State Hospital for three months to be treated for his drug addiction. The film premiered on May 11, 1955 at the Paramount Theater in Hollywood while Bell Lugosi was still institutionalized, but a special screening was arranged for him upon his release pleasing him greatly. Bright of the Monster, despite its flaws, was Will Wood's most successful film. Uh, so much so that the distributor, Samuel Z. Arkoff, was able to set up uh, inter American International Productions from the profits of Bride of the Monster. However, the film he is most well known for, the film that marked him as the worst director of all time, the film that is considered to be the worst movie of all time, was still to come. And that is where we'll pick up on the next episode of Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Bum, bum, bum. That concludes another rockin' and rollin' episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, and a special thanks goes out to the attackers who help support the show. This was a fun one. Had a good time. I think you guys had a good time too, right? Heck mm -hmm. yes. Great. Good deal. Totally. Awesome. So everybody out there, remember folks, radio can be an addiction, but it all depends on the frequency. So until next time when we talk again on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.